Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday Show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning. I'm Jay Catch, joined by Michelle Bodkin, as always. Michelle, you're back in town. I am. Okay, so... And for- stuff hit the fan. <laughs> like, literally. Yes. Yeah, lots of stuff hit the fan. There's no doubt about that. So we got plenty to talk about on today's show. But uh, first off, how was your... Because you kind of married, uh, obviously, the, the uh, going down to Pac-12 Media, but also took a little time off as well. So how was all of that, first off? That was really fun. Okay. It was really great seeing um, some of my family that I haven't seen in a little while uh, and just hearing the stories... Uh, so my grandpa had nine siblings, and the, wow, the, okay. the three remaining siblings, the three siblings that are still alive, all live in Vegas now. So they're kind of the ones with all the stories, um, all, all the adventures growing up, and, okay. and they're a cast of characters. But one of my favorite stories uh, that I love hearing all the time is uh, my family actually has a connection with the Beatles. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pause the show. Uh, yeah. Please tell. Please tell. Uh, so there's this really quite famous photograph of like a car with kids in it. Okay. And the Beatles in a car looking at the kids. Okay. And it's like deer in the headlights sort of thing. That was my great uncle and his friends. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, it it uh, He worked at, I think, if I remember this correctly, he worked at the Vegas airport. Okay. Um, knew that the Beatles were coming in and... I can't remember if it was one of my great aunts, one of his sisters, or our second cousin. Um, but anyway, he took one of them and, like, a friend to go just, like, and, and they weren't trying to, like, corner them or gawk at, like, they just kind of wanted sure. to be out of the way. Yeah, they, but they wanted to, to see him. To see them, yeah. like, come off the plane and get into their car. Well, as it turned out, wherever they parked was the way they were trying to get out. And so they blocked them off, and the Beatles are confused. So sure. they're sticking their head out of the car going, what the heck's going yeah, on? What are you guys doing here? And uh, someone happened to be there to catch a photograph. And it's like a photograph that's used 
or that was used to talk about like just how crazed teenagers were over over this group. But okay, yeah, yeah, that's actually really cool. It is really cool. I my jaw dropped. I've known about this, oh maybe about five years. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so it's it, it's stories like that though, and like I said, they got into all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> okay. back in the day, so it's just it's really kind of fun hearing all those stories and hanging out with yeah, them. So it was that. a good time. That was definitely yeah. my highlight of the week because the okay. the end part of the week not so great. Well, yeah, you've been, you've been working <laughs> like crazy hours obviously everything going on but yeah i like that that's actually a really cool story yeah obviously a highlight of the week to hang out with extended family you don't see that, that often stuff like mm-hmm. that's awesome so all right christian uh producing for us today uh we've had sarah for like a month so it's good I to know. have you back in the saddle but highlight of your week sir i'm gonna cheat a little bit i'm gonna go back two weeks ago i, 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 from I, I figured you might have but go ahead Big big wedding day for me. Uh, it was it successful. She said yes. Uh, nobody objected. <laughs> so, Positives on both fronts there. I mean, yeah. Yes. And she had lots of wonderful family fly in from uh, Las Vegas, okay. New York, kind of all over the country. Uh, it, it was an awesome day. It was so much fun. Then the morning after, we hopped on a plane, went straight to Cancun. So okay. spent hey. a week there, and now I'm back. Yeah, back to reality. Yes. <laughs> well. Welcome back. But thank you. Like how's the two weeks since been awesome? Yeah, it's Good. been great. I mean, we spent a week in Cancun and then we came back and both got right back to work. So okay. it's still kinda not set in. But <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's been great so far. Awesome. Well that's what we like to hear. All right. Highlight of my week was last night. Uh my wife had a girls' night with her sisters, so I said, you know what, kids, let's pile in the car. We're going down to the driving range. Went down to the Aww. driving range, let them hack away with their golf clubs and they had a great time and then Got Chick-fil-A afterwards and enjoyed time together. So it's fun. I love that. Yeah. Don't get – and th- this time of year, like, it should be yeah. my downtime. It's been nonstop. Well, you know. <laughs> I love that we all got to spend, like, valuable yeah. time with family. Oh, that, yes. that That gives me the warm and fuzzies, so. <laughs> yeah. No no doubt about that. All right. Well, um, there's a lot happening out there in the sports world. Obviously, here locally. Say. I know. Shocking. <laughs> well, let's get right to it. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) All right, so Colorado... (laughs) Decides that it wants it's want it's piece of like time in the spotlight. Uh, it kicks off another round of realignment. It appears now there's still pieces that could move that could calm things down here, Michelle. We'll talk about this in a minute. Yep. But Colorado officially makes the move. They make the vote. Uh, their regents get up in a Zoom meeting that everybody could tune into, and they said. We are hereby authorizing unanimously Colorado to pursue membership in the Big 12. Moments later, Brett Yormark, Big 12 commissioner, issues a press release, which I got to say, when you channel Michael Jordan, I'm always down with it. It says, <laughs> this has been the statement about Colorado, quote, they're back. Yeah. So the Colorado Buffaloes are joining the Big 12 Conference in 2024, same time that UCLA and uh, USC are leaving for the the Big Big 10 10. Conference. So currently, we have a Big 10 with 16 teams, we have a Big 12 with 13 teams, (laughs) and now we have what we're calling the Pac-9 for the time being. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) 
here, here we go. Yeehaw. What, what are we doing here? I don't know. Great question. What are we doing here, Michelle? Because you've done it. I got to say, you have been working hard. You've been hitting the phones. I'm sure lots of text messages flying back mm-hmm. and forth. Give me a sense of where you stand on all of this right now. It's a big 30,000-foot view, but where do you stand right now on everything? Yeah. Uh, I, so, I mean, it's kind of been a wild, like, seven days, yeah. uh, to be honest. And, like, just trying to sort out, figure out, you know, where where did things go wrong? Why Why did this go so completely sideways? Because, to be honest, things were looking good at Pac-12 Media Day, at least, mm-hmm. at least from – the, the the bigger picture. Well, it I felt I, that way. Yeah, I was getting. I I mean, I was fielding phone calls and text mm-hmm. messages, and one one of those came from someone. They don't care about the Pac-12. Okay. They don't care about the Big 12. They love college football. Mm-hmm. They work more on the TV end of it, and it was kind of a thumbs up, hint hint, wink wink. Like things are looking good on this Pac-12 media deal, and it's going it's going to be good. Okay. So I mean, someone with no skin in the game whatsoever mm-hmm. outside of just loving college football. Okay. Um, obviously, some of the other messages were kind of coming more from a Pac-12 angle. Uh, but, I mean, all signs were pointing to this is going to be good and it's going to end up well. And we'll discuss this, you know, probably again another five to seven years down the road. Wake up Wednesday and... All of a sudden, something's wrong, and, and a it's kind of was thrown in the gears. Yeah. Right, right, and I mean, like, it, it. The weird thing about covering this is like we've heard all these like various storylines before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how how many times have we heard that Colorado was out the door? How many times have we heard that the Pac-12's media deal is just about done? Like, I mean, there's just very yes. varying whatevers involved with this, so it's kind of like. Okay, well, it's, you know, it's maybe more or less kind of same old, same old, but we'll watch it. Sure. Uh, And as the day kind of progressed and as I was taking phone calls and talking to people, there was a lot more confusion this go around than there has been with any other time. The messaging I was getting back Mm -hmm. from people was conflicting. And that's kind of when I I started doing a, uh uh-oh. Like when people don't know what's going on, when you can't get a consistent message across the board from the people you're talking to, sure, that I think usually triggers a there maybe is something going on here, uh, and so obviously, obviously, as things played out, panned out, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as you know, trying to figure out how, the hows or the who's or the whys, like I, that's still a little bit of a mystery. Um, you know, there's, there's some educated guesses. I had one person tell me that Colorado had an issue with the unequal revenue sharing that was proposed in the ground of rights. Um, I've also heard that, uh, Philip DiStefano, the chancellor, chancellor of Colorado, um, after he kind of called out Thursday before Pac-12 Media Day, or maybe it was Wednesday so leading into Thursday. He, he told the Denver Post Wednesday that in in an article the Denver Post wrote it was right. on Wednesday when they wrote it. He may okay. have talked to him on Tuesday, or whatever. He said Thursday there's a Pac-12 executive meeting. Right. I am expecting numbers. to see numbers on this on the media rights. Mm-hmm. I, I, show me the money. Show me what we're looking at. Right. Right. Go into Thursday. Then Friday morning, Pac-12 Media Day, mm-hmm. Rick George, their AD, bails yeah. after Klyovkov does his opening spiel. He takes off. 
reports come out that Di Stefano and the rest of the executive committee never saw numbers in that meeting. Right. And it feels like that may have been the straw that proverbially broke the back. Yeah, that there's some hurt feelings, some ups, uh, some angst, like... I, it's it's I'm a little unclear. And then the other part of it that mm-hmm. I keep hearing a little bit of is inside and outside pressure to make a move. Well, and according to the reports, the Big 12 essentially told him August 1's your drop dead date. Figure out what you're doing. But there's also I like I've heard. And mm-hmm. again, yeah. like it's it's going <laughs> it's going to take some time to yeah. sort all of these different things out, sure. which is, again, why I think I was getting confusing, conflicting messaging. Mm hmm. Uh, and why others were getting confusing, conflicting messaging. But there there has been some talk about some of the bigger boosters um, kind of overtook everything. We're talking uh, they're, Colorado. Yes. Okay. They're, they're the ones that allegedly are footing the bill for Dion. Um, and I think they wanted some action, some security. And so, you know, there there's some talk that maybe th- – they overstepped or, or whatever and and kind of pushed this thing through. Got it. Uh, it could be one of those things. Mm-hmm. It could be a combination of those things. Uh, you know, it could be none of those things. May, maybe that's not any of those things. But that those are kind of the things I've been hearing so far um, as to potential causes, reasons why. And, uh, you know, now, now the pack... Nine for now. <laughs> for now, uh, it has some really, really difficult decisions to make. Uh, I, I cut and dry. That's what it is. Okay, and to your point, a lot of these storylines are not new. There's something no. that existed for a year, but the only thing that's changed is Colorado actually, yeah, did something. Yeah, we have movement. Mm-hmm. Colorado and one of their regents got up on that Zoom conference. It kind of turned into a pep rally a little bit. It felt like at times, but one of them got up, and this to me it was the most revealing comment I thought from the entire thing. Is one he, I don't remember what his name is. He's one of the regents up there. He has they all gave him kind of their chance to kind of say their piece on the, their decision here. And he says, "It's my fiduciary responsibility to authorize this." I said, "I want the I wanted the Pac-12 thing to work, mm-hmm. but it's my fiduciary responsibility." And fiduciary means you are acting in the best interest of the entity you represent. In that yep. case, he's representing Colorado. He says, "It is in my it is in my best interest to send Colorado back to the Big 12." That mm-hmm. is to me, that screamed to me everything that Colorado's kind of been gunning right now with. Now, there's all kinds of reporting out there that, yeah. that Colorado's kind of operated in its own little sphere when it's been part of the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Great. But the biggest thing that changed is Colorado has made the move. The Big 12 has accepted them back. They'll be 13 teams, at least for the time being. Mm-hmm. So now, Michelle, the question I have, and I, I kind of want to get your thought on this, is the Pac-12 responds with their statement. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I've got one major problem with this statement. And let me I'm, let me lay this out and I want, you, I want you to respond to it. Is they say, we look forward to getting our media rights deal completed and then we will aggressively expand, address expansion. Mm-hmm. They have it backwards. Yes. Oh, so, I, you, so you agree. I, okay. I think they've had it backwards from the whole get-go. Okay. And I'm not the only one that feels that way. I was listening to John Wilner yes. and John Canzano's podcast. They talked about that. Mm-hmm. And especially considering, okay, fine, you wanted to do it the other way. That's great. Okay. But, like, things changed. Yeah. Like, things changed. Shots have been fired. Mm-hmm. Movement has happened. Movement has happened. And, again, you're sitting back and taking a very passive approach mm-hmm. again. 
the time to be passive over. Like, yeah. like you got to show, like, I don't doubt that the remaining nine want to stay together. Okay. But like, if you're if you're not showing any actionable, yeah, steps to making that happen, other people are going to bail. Well, and see, they're going to bail. And that's the thing. I, so I, I tweeted out they had that they were supposed to have a meeting. Obviously, when Colorado made their move, they were having a meeting with all of the remaining chancellors, university presidents, and the ads. All of them were supposed to be on that meeting. Michelle, that may have been the biggest liars club meeting of all time. There's not a person in that room. I would imagine that's going into that meeting being like. I believe none of what you all are saying. Well, and I mean, here's the thing is it finally happened, right? Yes. So, yeah, everybody is going to be a little leery of everyone else. Mm-hmm. What, but at the same time, like, you can't tell people what you're doing. Sure. And then to, to your point, you had Carolyn Fult, the USC president, tell you two years ago, whatever it was, yeah. don't expand. Yeah. And what do they do? Mm-hmm. They turn around, and walk right out the door, and say, hey, we're getting that 70 million plus from the Big Ten. Right. See, bye. Bye. And, Here's the thing. The Pac-12 has had opportunity after opportunity, at least two very clear opportunities, where they could have mortally wounded the Big 12. Mm -hmm. The Big 12 survived both of them because Larry Scott in one instance and George Klyovkov in the other, both, as you mentioned, took a passive passive position, if I get that word out of my mouth, (laughs) and said, you know what? We're going to let things ride. Yeah. Whereas what Brett Yormark is doing is he's like, man of action. We're doing stuff. We're, we're going to establish ourselves. And it looks like right now the Big 12 has essentially run a lap around the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 is still just like, we're good. You can't, yeah. to your point, the time for passivity, pa- passivity, pa- passivity uh, whatever. Sure. That's the word I created. It's fine. It's, it's, fine. It, it's, not, it's over. Yeah. You guys, and that statement I heard, I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, it's the same. Different day, like insert word here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm trying to not get censored yes, here. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> and Kristen, fees and, right, all, and all that, get that good stuff. Button like, ready. Let's go. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's the yeah. truth. Yeah, you know. At, at some point, I I mean, we talk about all the time. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And here's what the Pac-12 is doing. Yeah. To your point. And, and may, maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes that I, I don't know about because obviously they're not going to advertise those conversations, but. <sighs> We'd have heard something. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where we've we've seen this song and dance a couple of times mm-hmm. now. Uh, and until you start showing me that you're doing something completely different in an effort to make this work, sure. I'm going to have my doubts at this point. Like, I I fully trusted, I fully believed, as do I think a lot of people, because mm-hmm. why why would we not? It's coming directly from you. You know, we would hope that you would know what's going on with your own business. Yes. Uh, but once again, proven, proven that maybe not so much. So... Uh, like I, I hate being harsh like that. And actually, maybe I'm saying it in the nicest possible way. You, still, you, but you are. Trust me. I, there was a text message I got from somebody who's connected with the University of Utah who was irate. Let's just put it that way. Oh, this week. I, no, no doubt, no doubt. And they're not, and they're related with. They're not in the administration, right? They're just. They're more of a fan. Yeah. And they're just sick of how the Pac-12 and 
he pointed at George Klyovkov. You can point at whoever you want. He's just sick of the fact that there's a bunch of inaction on one side and all the action on the other. Yeah, and for he, sure. And, and fans should be fed up. Yeah. They should be fed up. And I, I, I get the sentiment because you're right. You're watching your arch rivals conference over here. Still one of your programs. And yes, is Colorado a difference maker on the football field right now? Absolutely not. But what it does is it has severely weakened your position with your conference, whereas it is strengthened their position. It brings yeah. a new media market. It brings a brand. It, that's what Colorado brings. Are they going to be a team that walks in and competes for the top of the Big 12 right away? No. Would Utah do that? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the thing now is the other nine schools in the Pac-12 – you're right. I, I've got no doubt that they probably would prefer to kind of operate as a unit and do their thing. But for that statement to come out and for them to say, we're going to get our media rights deal and then go after expansion. What media rights deal is going to advan- give you advantages with just nine members versus having 10 or 12? You have yeah. this completely backwards in my mind if you're George Klyovkov. You need to go add SMU, Colorado State, San Diego – you need to get more members of the conference and then take that to market versus betting on, hey, I think us nine can get the number we want. I- yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and again, I, I'm not an expert on this, but from my outside perspective, yeah, that that was the wrong thing to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be quite frankly, I think shooting out a tweet essentially was the wrong move. I think somebody should have been uh, – Hey. Holding a press conference. Somebody. It would have been nice, but at least they didn't use the word consummated this time. Or consummating. I, you know, thank goodness for small miracles. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, that that word, whoever approved it, I'm like, consummating? Yeah. It makes me wildly uncomfortable, but nonetheless, to your point. It would have been good for George Klyovkov to get in front of a camera or cameras and say, here's what we're doing. Or uh, President Schultz, who's the Some, head of the yeah. head of the someone, someone, yeah. someone, yeah, someone. Because stop hiding. <laughs> well, they are hiding. Yeah, because Klyovkov spoke to the media at, at Pac-12 Media Day. And correct me if I'm wrong. For the first time since January, on the record, uh, I believe that is correct. They're hiding. They're, they're uh, and here's the thing: is like again, uh-huh. I didn't mind. And I don't, in theory, mind sure. you taking the higher road. I don't mind you, but like again, there's got to be some action backing up that position of, you know, we don't need to be front and center. You know what? No, we don't need to shoot off every time somebody has something to say. But again, there needs to be steps shown mm-hmm. that you're doing something, and uh, that's all gone out the window. That's all gone out the window. So again. Sitting back, being passive, shooting off tweets with just words, mm-hmm. not being present, not being in front of the camera, not addressing people, and saying what's up is a problem. Okay, that and that brings me. I, so I put out. Uh, I guess we'll call them dueling polls. They're actually kind of just they're they're kind of joined at the hip. Uh, they're on my Twitter feed at Jacob C Hatch. Michelle's on it. She's retweeted it. Uh, they're questions for both Utah and BYU fans, and it says if all options are on the table, this is hypothetical. Yeah. If every option is out there on the table, like if the Big Ten's looking at ex- expansion, the Big Twelve is interested. Uh, all options are out there for Utah fans and BYU fans. What do you want to see the the future in terms of Utah where they're at? And uh, we're a hundred and 
100 plus votes on both of them. Some interesting results, Michelle. And uh, let's see, we're, we can talk about it for a second. So, so on the Utah one, I I said remain with the Pac-12, join the Big 12, hold out for the Big 10, or other independents, etc. Mm-hmm. Currently leading, join the Big 12. I'm not surprised. 35.9% to 31% to remain in the Pac-12. Those are the two leaders in that. Now, on the BYU side of things, and I fully expected this, <laughs> a little more petty, uh, I said, okay, in terms of BYU fans, if all options are on the table, what do you want to see in terms of Utah's future? I had stay in the Pac-12, join BYU in the Big 12, go to Mountain West or Independence yeah. or other, please respond below. Well, uh, currently, go Mountain West or Independence is 41.4% of the vote. Join BYU in the Big 12 is second, though, 34.2%, and then stay in the Pac-12 is 20.7%. So there's opinions all over the place on this. Yeah. And we'll continue to update this. I'm, I, I, it's out there. I'd love to have you guys uh, respond to it. Just uh, Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. love to see uh, where you guys kind of stand on it. And by the way, if you have other thoughts on it, feel free to respond via social media. We'd love nothing more than to have you guys' feedback on this because I think you and I are kind of a similar mind, Michelle. The, the Pac-12, they've got to do something. Mm-hmm. And to your point, them sitting behind their little keyboard warrior screen over here is a little different. Brett Yormark, well, we found out this week that he's married into a crime family. <laughs> he's got in-laws. I saw something <laughs> about that. The Gambino crime family, his father-in-law. Hilarious. I'm like, wow, that it, it falls in line with a lot of things. I, it I, does make <laughs> a lot of things kind of make sense. <laughs> But, if I'm being honest. But here's the thing. Like, it sounds like he, he and he's still not done. Like, yeah, they're at 13. They want to go to 14, possibly 16. It sounds like at least this for the 24 season. Mm-hmm. They essentially want to replace Texas and Oklahoma when they leave. They want to just stay at the 14. Essentially. Right. It's the whole thing. You've seen the Dark Knight. The Joker th- breaks the pool coup. Tops tosses on the ground says, <sighs> looking for new recruits. Figure it out. And the guys kind of look at each other like. Uh, so, all right. So crazy, crazy times. We'll continue to update the poll throughout today's show. We'd love to have your guys' feedback on this. Coming up later, we're going to be joined by Spencer McLaughlin. He hosts the Locked On Pac-12 as well as Locked On Ducks, Oregon Ducks podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, funny enough, uh, Christian and he are, co- are contemporaries down at Southern Utah. Uh, from back in the day, I've known him for years because he hosts the podcast. I work on the same network as him. He's got a lot of good thoughts on this. He's been hitting on this from every angle with Locked On Pac-12. We'll get his thoughts on it at 11 o'clock. Coming up next, we're going to stick with the BYU and Utah theme of things, Michelle, but we're going to shift it a little bit. We have fall camp starting on Monday for both of these programs. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about some of the big questions for both going into that. We'll do that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. What if I wanted to break? Laugh it all off in your face What would you do? Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, breaking things down here on a Saturday. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, please feel free to weigh in on the show. we got a lot of good questions up on Twitter right now. Uh, votes are up. We're, we're nearing 150 on both of these, it looks like. So uh, excited. We'll continue to update that in terms of the reaction. So the questions are, from both BYU and Utah fans' perspectives, if all options are on the table, what do you want to see in terms of Utah's future? That, that simple question. I want it from the Utah side. I want it from the BYU side. And I know how Twitter works, and there are going to be people on both sides who are going to nice. jump in each other's 
They're ish. Gonna, sure. And ish. Ish, yes. <laughs> keep it, keep it uh, civil. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I, I did want to take a minute and step away from that. and talk, So we'll come, talk, continue to talk conference realignment coming at 11 with uh, Spencer McLaughlin. But, Michelle, uh, funny enough, all the realignment stuff has carried us through this offseason. Yeah. Like, think about it. We have gone through months upon months uh. upon months. But starting Monday... True on-field. Real football stuff. Yeah, exactly. We actually have preparation for an upcoming football season starting. So I kind of want to talk back and forth about both BYU and Utah. Now, the the conversations around these two programs, especially in, the, in Utah's case with the current situation with the pack, mm-hmm. is that there are going to be people, it's always going to kind of go right back to the realignment thing. Yeah. But they they have an opportunity here to do something that's never happened in Pac-12 history is to win a three-peat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so give me two or three of what the biggest storylines you're expecting going in to training camp here for Utah. Understanding that Cam Rising is far and away, the health of Cam Rising is number one. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, That yeah. one's an easy one, but what else you got? Uh, you know, I think there's going to still be a lot of curiosity about who backs him up. Sure. Uh, so I think, you know, people are going to be watching that pretty closely. Uh, and then, I mean, to be honest, it's really probably the fact that they're hosting Florida. I mean, that that's something that's never happened before. Well, and Florida hasn't come west of the Mississippi in at least two decades? I mean, in fairness, they, they were at the Las Vegas Bowl this past year. Sure, I'm but, talking, but, re- yeah, regular, regular season. season yeah, yeah it's, mm-hmm. been, it's been a minute. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was that they came to play. And I think they lost. And, and, uh, and, and it, they don't travel very far for games. No, well, the SEC period yeah. does not, like, they don't do this. You can, so, come, you can come play us at our venues. Yes, Going to yours? Eh, yeah. Eh. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is a really, I think, big opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially, again, when you start thinking about and looking at potentially what's going to happen here sure. over the next little bit. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's still a little murky as to, but... As to what's going to ultimately take place, fall down, where people are going to end up, where people are going to stop and go. But when you have opportunities to showcase yourself in instances like this, yeah. go go out and, in the famous words of Zach Moss, go do the damn thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, like. It's not, it, when that's, I like, I like the sentiment because you're absolutely right. And that's the biggest thing with Utah is you you are the reigning champs. Now, mm-hmm. you've been picked third right. in, to finish behind both USC and Washington. I got that right? Yeah, USC, Washington. Oregon's fourth. So uh-huh. there's a lot of contenders this year in the Pac-12, which actually, the funny thing is, the on-the-field product for the Pac-12 this year is going to be really fun, I think. I On paper, yeah. as it stands right now, it looks like it's probably going to be the best it's maybe been in its 13 years of existence. A lot of high-level quarterbacking, a lot of uh, a lot of high, just high-level play, it feels like. Mm-hmm. A lot of these rosters are locked and loaded. You have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner on USC. You've got uh, Washington, who feels like Kalen DeBoer came in and just essentially righted the ship, and they've just kind of continued with Coach Pete had built it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who was the coach that was it? Uh, Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake kind of let it just kind of. Oh man, have I heard some things about Jimmy Lake? You and me both, but not great. Let it, let it get sideways. Kalen DeBoer came and said, "You know what? The talent base is still here. Let's just we're, we're getting it back on course." And all they've done is take off with Michael Penix, a quarterback, all that stuff. 
Utah, the two-time defending champions over there. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a question about their quarterback, but the rest of the roster for Utah is very strong. Oregon, they're continuing to kind of just build here. And by the way, there's not that's not even counting the dark horse of Oregon State over here. Yeah. If DJ Uyunglele is anything that he is capable of being early on during his time at Clemson versus what the tail end of it was, mm-hmm. he's what he was early. Well, all of a sudden, Oregon State's right there saying, hey, guys. Hey. Well, and then I think you have two, two, maybe three teams that are capable of just mucking everything up. Yeah, Arizona yeah. has some potential. Mm-hmm. Washington State has some potential. With their quarterbacking in particular. And, yeah. uh, you know, I UCLA always brings in talent. They're a little bit young this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that they're contending for anything, but could they mess up someone's season? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the other thing about this. I'm fully expecting... Arizona to pick off a win somewhere along the way against one of the top dogs that could affect the race. I expect that from UCLA. To your point, I also expect Washington State could do that. And who knows? Could Cal have a resurgent year? Because Justin Wilcox has got all kinds of pressure on him. Mm-hmm. But th- that's the that's the thrill of what the Pac-12 looks like. Yeah. Now, we all know that the conversation around them is that three of your members are leaving after this year, which is, that's one thing. But the on-the-field product looks very, very fun. Yeah. Now, flipping that to BYU for a minute, see, my, my biggest thing with BYU is is you're, there's a whole lot of unknowns out there. Mm-hmm. You've spent two years trying to build up to this. And to Kalani Satake's credit, he's got two coordinators who were young assistants with him at Utah. We've already talked about this with Jay Hill and Aaron Roderick, who were all there when Utah made the transition to the Pac-12. So they've been through this process before, but it is a different conference. Mm-hmm. A lot more travel involved. Like You're not going to the West Coast. You're going all the way to West Virginia at one point this year. You have a trip to Arkansas in the non-conference. And the, you have a simple fact of the matter is that BYU, they have played as many as seven Power 5 games as an independent, which is it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's yes. a good chunk. But this year you're playing 10. Mm-hmm. And all 10 of them come in a row. Yeah. Like you, you play... Sam Houston's a decent program. They're making the leap to FBS football this year for the first time. But then you have Southern Utah. You should be 2-0 out of the gate. But then the real grind starts for BYU. And that's that's kind of what I'm looking at in in training camp for BYU is, okay, does this roster, and it, it's impossible to really tell, but does this roster, the way they've gone about doing things roster build-wise in terms of using the transfer portal, have they tried to build up as much depth as possible? Because there are going to be injuries. Mm-hmm. We already know this. Mm-hmm. It's football. It's a it, violent it game. Does BYU have capable twos and threes that when those injuries hit, wherever they might hit, because we don't know, we can't, you can't prognosticate on what's going to happen, but do you have them where you, the fall-off's not as extensive as it has been at points for BYU? Right. That, that to me, and like I said, that, that's a question that's hard to answer in training camp. But the, the other thing about this is Kalani is not afraid to throw his guys out there, ones versus ones, to really get a good feel for where his roster is at. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I'm hopeful that in terms of us as a media core being out there watching it. We get a feel for that, and then obviously the, the truth will be told on the field coming up in September and October. But th- that's the interesting part about this because Utah, they have spent 12 seasons building up to what they have going right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas BYU, they're year one here. Utah had a surprising year one. Mm-hmm. We all remember this. Was it nine wins, right? I think. No, it, they were eight and five. It was eight and five. It okay. was eight and five. But they had the chance to go. They, to the it pe- should. They should have been nine and four. Had they? Had they? Yes. Okay. Colorado spoiled that. 
to, to the point. Freaking Colorado. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but yes, they had, so they had a surprising year one. Then they backslid a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think BYU, I think Kalani, in his heart of hearts, he hopes this year might be that five and seven, six and six. And next year, you don't have the jump out of the gate then yeah. backslide. Yeah. I think he'd rather see the slow build begin this year. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's way more ideal. But, I mean, sometimes, I I think kind of as we saw with Utah, mm-hmm. it was like pulling the arrow back, right? Yes. Like, so I, I think they had to have those failures, and it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> like, as a fan, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they learned a lot from it. So I think as long as you're learning from it, mm-hmm. and you can show that, oh, the arrow's going to go forward again at some point. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I think ideally, like, of course, you of course you would like to see more steady progression rather than, hey, we surprised everybody. And now everybody expects us to, like, fully compete the entire yeah. time. And, oh, wait. Oh, no. People caught up. People figured out our shtick. Uh, back to the drawing board. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, I can I can understand why Kalani would feel that way, and you know, I I think they're working with some knowledge that Utah didn't have, um, sure. that that possibly could could make that possible for BYU. So we'll just you know, it's going to be fun and interesting to see how that plays out. Well, and they've addressed that head on. He said, yeah, it gives us an idea. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think Tom Homo said the same thing. I actually asked him. They had that uh, press conference on July 1st. And I said, okay, you were a, you were a Power 5 head coach. You coached at Cal. Kalani, obviously, and his assistant. That. Yeah, That's so, interesting. Yeah, okay. Before he became the AD at, at, at BYU, he actually was an assistant at Stanford, got hired as Cal's head coach. Was it a good run? No. I think he was like 1-10 and 10 and like 2-9. and nine. Like it was You not, still learn things, though. Yeah. So, so he has an— he, I did not know that about yeah, him. Yeah, That's Tom, interesting. Tom's been a Power 5 head coach. And now it was a different era of football right. and all that. But he has that experience. Kalani went through that. And I think that that gives him, as you, as you point out, a little bit of background of, okay, of what to expect. Mm-hmm. The other thing about this is— is there are going to be players that we can talk about the Cam Risings and the Keaton Slovises and Aiden Robbins on BYU side at running back, Jaquindon Jackson. on. We can look at these star players and say, okay, those are key difference makers. Mm-hmm. My question for you, Michelle, I'm, I'm going to give my answer for BYU before you give yours for Utah. What player or players in your mind are going to emerge on the scene? Now, like I said, this is all us kind of speculating and looking ahead. But let me let me say the one, the guy that I'm looking forward to for BYU is AJ Vong Pachan. Now he is the transfer from Utah State. Had a hundred tackle season a year ago. Part of a, a quite stingy Utah State defense. It feel like, it feels like he holds a huge key in any type of defensive resurgence BYU enjoys this year. He has the ability to be that true. I, you know, Karen Reed, how he's kind of that bedrock of what the defense, yeah. everything kind of revolves around him and barking out orders, making sure teammates are in the right spot. That's what it feels like a guy like that is. Now, they BYU has two other really good linebackers that are probably going to start, and Ben Bywater as well as Max Tooley. They're, in my mind, more freelance-type guys. where Their their best ability is to have a guy like A.J. Vongpachan who can hold down the fort where they kind of go out and do their thing. Yeah. So that— I don't want to put too much pressure on this kid, but it feels like he holds a huge, huge key to anything that BYU does this season. Is there somebody like that for you at Utah? Ooh, um, 
I, it, there is a part, I don't know that we've been talking about Sione Vaki enough. Good player. Uh, I, I think he was showing some really good stuff towards the end of the season. I mm-hmm. think he takes a step forward and really kind of helps anchor that D and not that the defense has been like a ship <laughs> no. without a sail. Yeah. Like they, they've been fine, mm-hmm. but I think he could be that piece that just really kind of anchors everything down, um, a little bit more for him. Uh, and offensively, I mean, you kind of already mentioned him, but I think I think Jaquindon Jackson is a huge key, especially, you know, if you're having to kind of ease in and be a little careful with Cam and, and limit some of the running that he does, especially sure. early on. Yeah, uh, you you're know, not, you're not going to throw Cam out there and say, "You've been cleared. Go do your thing like you I, used to." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go make a cut. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think someone like Jaquindon and mm-hmm. and really maybe that actually entire running back room because i i think i think there's a lot of potential there but i think you're going to rely on them to to kind of pick up some of that slack at least for the first little bit well and see that's a good point i i I feel almost similar to byu now byu doesn't have nearly the same proven running backs because trust me i look at utah's running back room like who are you gonna give all the carry like i know how how are you gonna keep everyone happy and together but the thing about this is byu brought in aiden robbins who had a thousand yard season a year ago at unlv Dion smith comes over from colorado and he's had his moments at colorado but then you have you kind of talk about sione vaki breaking out down the stretch last year Mm -hmm. for utah well hinkley ropati was that for byu a year ago He's this muscle-bound hamster of a running back. And I, don't, I mean that in the kindest way possible. He's, yeah, no, I He's like 5'8", 5'9", but he's 210 pounds and cut as all get out. Like, he looks every – okay. And he became like this star. Screen passes, just being a hard-nosed runner down the stretch last year for, when Christopher Brooks had some of his falters. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, who is this guy? So mm-hmm. that – to your point, allowing a guy in Cam's case where he's coming back from injury or a guy like Keaton Slovis at BYU where he's – okay – he understands the offense, but he's got to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, having a strong running game takes some of the pressure off. And, and, it doesn't have to all be him. Yes. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, you're going to be doing your thing up at, up at Utah. I'll be doing plenty of both, mainly BYU, but I get to Utah as much as possible as well. I'm interested to hear what these coaches have to say, though, because now it's it's real now. Mm-hmm. Like, media day's fun. Yeah. But it as the old ball coach Steve Spurrier says, it's talking season. That's yeah. over now. Yeah. It uh, I mean it's game time. And it's you, on. If you want to earn playing time, this is when you earn it. So it'll be interesting. All right. We will come back on the other side. Uh, we'll get into technical fouls. Uh, coming up at 11 o'clock, uh, Spencer McLaughlin from Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Ducks. Uh, podcast will join us to talk about conference realignment. Still plenty to go right here on the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. As you heard, it is time now for technical fouls. Kind of we step away from all the other stuff going on in the sports world and we kind of talk about some of the the weird and unique things going on in sports, people behaving poorly, all that type of stuff. Uh, I got a couple here, but Christian, I want to start with yours real quick. Go ahead. I want you to fire off this week for us. Okay, so mine's not as much acting stupid okay. as it is just a funny story. Got it. Okay. Um, NFL training camp started this week. Mm-hmm. And when rookies report, they have to take this conditioning test. Okay. Uh, they're given the test in the spring, so they kind of have all spring and summer to train for it. Like, they know, this is what you're going to have to do here, guys. Yep, they okay. know what to expect. Yeah. They're not going to be blindsided by anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chicago Bears first-round pick, Darnell Wright. He's an offensive tackle, 330-pound guy. Okay. 
first off, he shows up to training camp. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he looks, like, kind of lean. Like, he's really, really in shape. <laughs> he slimmed down a little bit. And then he goes and kills this conditioning test. And everybody's just blown away. They're like, what the heck? Like, this is crazy stuff. Turns out, back in the spring, he was looking at the conditioning test for the wide receivers. So all spring and summer, he's been training for the wide receiver <laughs> conditioning test as a 330-pound offensive tackle. Oh, my God. And so, yeah, he slimmed down a little bit and showed up showed up to camp and athletically impressed everybody so far. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> Read the fine print a little closer next time, big man. Like, that's awesome, though. Hey, it'll, it'll, it probably serves him well, honestly, in many yeah, yeah. respects. It, it can't be bad for him. He's trying to do the wide receiver. He's right looking at him like, huh, what? Dude. They said he didn't even break a sweat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's impressive, actually. I will give him credit on that. Uh, geez, three hundred thirty pounds. These, by the way, I don't people think people realize how big some of these athletes are. Like, they're dudes. Like I, I've seen Darnell Washington. Trust me, he's a big dude. Uh, there's the kid that uh, from from Southern Utah. Christian, you know this name. Uh, it was a starting left tackle for Chicago a year ago. Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones. He's a k- local kid here who ended up as was a undrafted free agent or seventh round pick. When was he drafted? Was he drafted? I think like fifth or sixth okay. round or so something. He was drafted, like that, but. Yeah. But he emerged out of training camp as their starting left tackle for the Bears and really held it down. They think he's a franchise piece, like they're going to use him. It's fun to see. But Braxton Jones, like you see these dudes, like, man, these are big, yeah, big human huge. beings. So anyways, he's huge. crazy stuff. All right, I got one here real quick, Michelle, unless you want to go next. Go ahead. Okay, so earlier this, uh, no, earlier this week, last week, Jordan Addison was pulled over for going 140 miles yeah. on an interstate in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, the, by the way, the posted speed limit in this stretch of uh, is 55 miles an hour. Now, we've already talked about him doing this. It's dumb yeah. to do it. Did you see his excuse? His dog was having a medical emergency, which I kind of was like, well, okay, okay. then. <laughs> okay. It's still not a good excuse. Dogs, I, I get, like, okay. And PK mentioned this. He, his sister actually had her dog in the backseat of her car choke on a bone or something like that. Aww, which, okay, I couldn't understand that. Like, if it's in the car. Yeah. 140 miles an hour? To get home. And the dog was at home. Yes. The dog wasn't in the car with dog, her. No, no, dog was not in the car. He was not rushing to some, like, pet hospital. Like, dogs... Be it far from me to tell to say that's bunk on his excuse, but I've got my questions. That he's probably trying to think of something, yeah, anything. But don't do 140 miles. He's he, frankly, I'm stunned he was not arrested on the spot and put in jail for reckless driving. Now they they gave him the citation and whatnot, but they said there's still an open investigation. That type of speed, though, I'm not going to lie. Any of us pulled that charade? Uh, You're probably stunned. in handcuffs. Done. Like, you're more than twice the speed limit. <laughs> and by the way, he's in a in a Lamborghini that was loaned to him. It's a, it had dealer plates Lamborghini on it. Lamborghini Mercy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Your chick, she's so thirsty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done. Not like that. Thank you. No, but it's just like, come on now. Come up with a better story, it feels like. But nonetheless, if hope his dog's okay. Yeah. But I, I, I am genuinely concerned yes. for your dog, but I, like I hope some Minnesota media member next time they get to talk to him, how is your dog is the first question out of their mouth. <laughs> I hope it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Michelle, what do you got? Okay. 
So uh, the Oakland A's are basically out the door and on their mm-hmm. way to Las Vegas. Uh, and apparently they are not concerned with making any friends as a lame duck organization. <laughs> no, they're Shocking. not. Shocking. Uh, because they weren't concerned about making friends in Oakland anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so A fans have been trying to organize multiple protests, most notably the so-called reversed boycott at the Oakland Stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, their efforts to get team owner John Fisher to sell the franchise have even moved across the bay. At a San Francisco Giants home game against the A's, both sets of fans united in calling out Fisher to sell the team. Yep. Um, Rob Manfred has admitted that the A's stadium situation is his biggest regret as commissioner, even if he's deflected any responsibility for it. Um, the fans have organized on social media to promote another reverse boycott for the August 5th home game against the Giants. And while Fisher's generally remained silent throughout the process, he and his operants team are clearly paying attention. Uh, but basically... Uh, so Reddit users noticed something strange about the ticket prices for the August 5th game. A they week said, from now. <laughs> they suddenly became a whole lot more expensive than other home games. Yep. Ah, what a mess. What, uh, what a mess. And I had this on my list. So the, currently the cheapest ticket available for the reverse, boy, reverse boycott when this article was written was $44. And the Coliseum is a cavernous facility. I've never been to it. I've just seen enough pictures of it. Yeah. It used to big. house the Oakland Raiders, obviously. Right. Some of those seats are a long way. When that's 44 bucks, you know that something, something fishy's so up. So something's up. You just want to have that reverse boycott. Well, guess what? You're going to literally gonna pay, pay for, for it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take your money yeah. as you do it. They also point out just a few days later, ticket prices for home game against the first place Texas Rangers started just $10. <laughs> hmm. So petty. Oh. So petty. We had Bob Nightingale on this week with DJ and PK, who's, of course, the USA Today columnist for yeah. major league baseball he he's of the opinion he's like they're moving to las vegas they're not they're not getting what they're they're not going to draw that many people he said that people go to las vegas they're not gonna be like you know what i want to do i want to go to an oakland athletics game when they have all the other enter- entertainment options down there in in sin city and i was i was stunned that he said that but he's like i just don't see it happening i'm like i don't know wow. i i think to be honest i think Vegas is in a place where they are trying to move from like traditional gambling uh-huh. to making it a sports gambling city. And so, hey, I I think they're trying to clean up the type of people that roll on through, uh, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, and I, I think they're trying to do that by bringing in major sports teams and having the gambling connected to it. Well, and that you're right. They're, that's absolutely part of this. It's going to be interesting. I do wonder they are going to go they're going to make like John Fisher's going to make money moving yeah. to Vegas cuz he's getting public subsidies of in the hundreds of millions of dollars to help build that stadium and all that stuff, but it's just interesting to see. I, I just wonder how quickly Vegas fans will embrace the A's if they do if that makes sense. Yeah. Cuz you've had Bryce Harper over there saying they the A's are Oakland's team, and he's a Vegas native. Like, yeah, Bryce is a lot. Like Las Vegas is in his blood, and he's like, no, that, that ain't. We'll see. Gonna be interesting. By the way, bring Major League Baseball to Utah. That's all I've got to say on. Yeah, I'd love to have that. But obviously, it would be fun. They've still got to resolve the Tampa Bay Rays thing. But the other thing about that, Bob Nightingale did say that he thinks that the earliest any expansion team starts play, no matter where they're expanded to, is twenty thirty. So we'll see. Be interesting, but. 
uh, keep your eye on that. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Spencer McLaughlin. He is the host of Locked On Pac-12, uh, the podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Has had a lot of interesting uh, – I've been listening to a lot of his shows. He's kind of a, looked at every angle of this conference realignment deal. Want to get his thoughts on this? We'll get to that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, breaking things down every Saturday. Uh, thank you for tuning in. All right, Michelle, I threw this out earlier in the show. It's on social media. I've asked questions from both uh, the Utah and BYU side about what they, th- about what both fan bases think the future for Utah should be in terms of uh, expansion or conference realignment. Now, uh, I threw it out on Twitter. We're at 159 votes on the Utah side of things as of Right now, 179 votes in on the BYU one. The question essentially remains the same. If all options are on the table for Utah and conference realignment, what's your preference? What do you want to see happen? From the Utah side, the, the responses were remain with the Pac-12, join the Big 12, hold out for Big 10 or other, independence, etc. Currently, join the Big 12 is still winning that poll, 34.6%. Uh, remain with the Pac-12 in second with 29.6%. Hold out for the Big 10 is just over 16%. And then other is 19.5%, which is interesting to me. Uh, I'm guessing, I'm not going to lie, I think it's more BYU fans because the other, I think, Bro, implies. Yeah. Mountain Go back to the Mountain West. Go to the Big Sky. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that, I'm just going to throw this out here. Not likely to happen. I mean, I suppose in some like very, very strange alternate universe, but come on guys, it's top 20 consistent top 25 team. Somebody's going to take them. Yeah. Uh, Now on the BYU side, the responses were for for Utah to stay in the PAC 12, join BYU in the big 12, go to mountain West, such independence or other Uh, go to mountain West, such independence because BYU fans are having fun with this 40.8% of the vote. Uh, Join BYU in the big 12 though. Still pretty strong. 36.9%. Uh, 20.1% for staying in the Pac-12. So uh, some pretty strong back and forth on this. But, yeah, there, there are the BYU fans out there who are like, go back to the Mountain West, see how it is. Go independent, see how easy that is. Like, yeah. So be it. But what makes this rivalry great, Michelle? It just it never, literally ever stops. No. No, they always find something to bicker about. <laughs> they really do. They really do. Give them, give them five minutes. They, they will, they'll find something. They'll figure it out. They'll that, find something. That's the fun part about all this is we get, we get to kind of sit back and watch it all kind of play out. But it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. By the way, uh, there is the BYU 50 deal is ongoing right now in the state of Utah. They did it across the country last week. Apparently, they have multiple locations across the state. You can win, actually win. I think the out-of-state people, they were actually, if you won it, they're flying you in for a BYU game. 
Dang. Like, I know. So I don't know what the BYU giveaway, like in-state factors, it may, may be tickets. I think it's for the homecoming game against Texas Tech. Huh. But anyways, I just kind of funny to watch all that that playing out in real time because uh, they literally, they went multiple occasions in multiple, st- like across the entire country last week, but like, I think Texas had four different locations that they were getting. Like, so they're they're flying a lot of people in. Delta's huh. part of this and everything, but to fly multiple people in from across the country to that's crazy. I don't know, crazy I, stuff. Somehow, well, actually, it's probably because I was really focused in on Pac-12 Media Day. It was because like, it, it took that took place last Saturday. Is when oh, it was okay. going down. Yeah, so. I was like, I, I did not hear anything about this, so this is news yeah. to me. But, but you were okay. you were both engaged with Pac-12 Media Day as well as you were my family off my on family. vacation. My family. Does it, and un- I really did try to not pay attention Good. to anything. Good for you, as you should. All right. Uh, we are joined now by Spencer McLaughlin. He hosts both the Locked On Pac-12 podcast as well as Locked On Ducks covering the Oregon Ducks. Uh, he is also a, a commentator for Southern Utah Sports down in Cedar City. A good friend. Spencer, thank you for taking the time uh, joining Michelle and I. How are you? Hey, it's great to be on with you guys. And I'm just always anxiously awaiting the next shoe to drop in all of this craziness. <laughs> hey, welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the party. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. just the state of uh, college sports right now, it feels like. Yeah, I don't think there's any other way to describe it other than, you know, we're just always thinking about what's next and what what's the next move and who's moving and who's jumping and what does that mean for this. And, I mean, it's – of all the off-season stories to, to keep us busy until football gets back, this, this is a heck of a story, I tell you. Well, and that's the thing. It, so some of our coworkers here at the station, I was actually talking with one of them earlier this week, Spencer, and he and I were going back and forth, and we both agreed. This conference realignment, this, this off-season alone, it's been the gift that keeps giving because it literally – you think it's going to kind of fade away. Yeah. And the next week, it, roaring back. exactly. It's just been absolutely insanity. And now, of course, I, I've been listening to you doing Locked On Pac-12. I feel like you have covered this from almost every angle possible. Now, you have obviously new angles that pop up at all times. But give me a, a feeling for how you look right now with Colorado officially exiting the Pac-12 next year, going to the Big 12, the nine remaining schools in the in the Pac right now. What do you think their priority should be at this current circumstance? Well, you know, the school that everyone's talking about the most is Arizona because Arizona has had their president, Robert Robbins, make the most, uh, you know, open comment, shall we say, with regards to hinting at the possibility of going to the Big 12. And look, the comment that I'm referring to was, you know, from the past several months, everything blurs together. I don't remember when it was, but I do, I do know that it happened. I'm not, I'm not yeah. making it up. I know yeah. that it happened. I, I just, if people are wondering, like, oh, I wonder when he said that. I don't know. Don't ask me. So, <laughs> I, I, I feel that. that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the comment was basically saying, look, we want to be in the Pac-12. This is where we want to be. This is where we're here for a reason. We're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. But also we have to do, you know, what's in the best interest of Arizona. We're you know, he made a comment that we're in driving distance to Lubbock, which is, of course, a Big 12 city with uh, with, with, with Texas Tech. So I, I think Arizona is the logical next school to, to watch here. Uh, there's been the most buzz around them. But, you know, I, 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 I continue to be perplexed that, you know, their president, after Colorado left, was still willing to give the Pac-12 time to try and finish a deal so that he could see, or presidents and Chancellor George Klyovkov, 
uh, he, he said, look, we want to see the deal. That's where we've always been. That has been his position is they want to be in the Pac-12. They do not want the Big 12 or they would have gone already. They, they want to be in the Pac-12. They want to see the deal. They want to compare the offers. They want to take the better offer. Everything about that is very logical. But what is curious, at the very least, at this juncture is Colorado leaves because they got impatient or tired of waiting for the deal. Why did Colorado feel like they had to jump and couldn't wait any longer, but Arizona hasn't left yet? I think that's an interesting question to ponder. You could look at potential ties. Uh, in the University of Arizona school system with, uh, with Arizona State. You could look at maybe they actually do want to see the Pac-12 media deal and think that one can still get done even without the buffs being a part of it. But there, there is some reason out there why they didn't immediately follow Colorado because you know Arizona or the Big 12 is looking at Arizona and just waiting for them to jump over into their, into their waiting and open arms. So, Spencer, do you think part of the reason why maybe Arizona is a little more patient is that President Robbins does sit on the board of like the the board of executives? And so he might have a little more information that, say, Colorado does not currently have at the moment. I I don't know why one president would have more information than another. You know, if uh, part what, what we've seen reported so far has been that Colorado wanted to see a deal, not necessarily sign the deal in the grant of rights, but they wanted to see a deal with hard numbers last week. Mm-hmm. And when that didn't happen, it was the final straw. They talked with the Big 12 for a while and said, look, we want to see what we have over here because this is where we'd like to be. But they were getting impatient. They're ushering in a new era of football with Deion Sanders, and they you know, wanted to be secure in knowing that they're going to have a television deal, that they're going to have, you know, at least some money coming in from the conference and everything like that, and that they would be sure as to what it is so that they can allow Dion and his coaches to, to focus on football. And, you know, apparently they, under, understandably, in my view, because this has been such a long, drawn-out process, they got to the point where they said, look, if you can't give us a deal right now, we, we're, we're just going to go. We're just going to go. I'm t- we're tired of waiting. We're tired of guessing. We're tired of hoping. We're tired of talking. Tired of all that sort of stuff. And I understand that, uh, totally. especially when you, when you have the when you have the Dion component in there. I, I had somebody uh, tell me recently that, uh, or just make an interesting point. New coaches are translating into new conferences. Lincoln Riley, new coach, new conference. Dion Sanders, new coach, new conference. It's not exclusive, of course. Um, but, you know, to every new coach. But I do think that there is a component to that with, you know, kind of the feeling of resetting, restarting, relaunching your brand, your team, your program, everything, and having a fresh start in a new conference. I I think those things can align at at some level. So that might be part of the calculation for Arizona as well, is that, you know, they – are entering year three of the rebuild with Jed Fish, and it's well underway. Like, their momentum is is stable, but Colorado, you know, wants to be sure, and I think Arizona feels they can, you know, compete or have a place in either conference, which obviously they uh, they, they can. But, you know, back to the president's question, I, I don't know how, I mean, it would be, in my view, gross mismanagement, of which we've already seen some, obviously, from George Klyovkov, uh, to have one president knowing something that another president does not with regards to the media deal. Like what is, what is the advantage there other than I think that there are no advantages. You just, you isolate 
somebody if you were to do that. So I, I think it was about Colorado, not about, you know, what one person knew versus versus others. I think Colorado just doesn't see as viable the future on, on the media rights front. And uh, Arizona thinks there's there's still a chance. Or maybe this, you know, is all a moot conversation come Monday morning. Spencer McLaughlin joining us, host of Locked On Pac-12 podcast, as well as the Locked On Ducks podcast. And uh, Spencer, I know you're from the Pacific Northwest, and a lot of yeah. eyes were cast that way in terms of, okay, who could be next? And Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority says that he, he's like, it's not something you're thinking of. And a lot of people immediately are like, Oregon? Washington? Like, who? who? Give me your sense for the, the appetite for either Huskies or Ducks fans to jump to the Big 12. From the fan bases? Yeah. It's- minimal from the schools it might not be i'm not saying it's non-existent but look i i personally don't want any more realignment like this stuff is interesting it's fascinating it's been leading my show for a long long time for the most part for the last many many months and trying to read between the tea leaves and getting hints and quotes and everything like that and all these you know bogus statements from pac-12 we're united yeah all right cool um but so I, I just feel like they are are in a position now where you you would like to think that you could still have your traditional rivalries with packed schools and you could keep things where you were at. But the future of the athletics department is not up to is not up to the fans. So you know how they feel about stuff. I don't think is particularly relevant you know in my experience usc fans are thrilled about going to the big 10 and there are a lot of pac-12 fans that say don't let the door hit you on the way out um don't like usc fans a whole heck of a lot all the time but ucla fans that i've that i've interacted with or that i've met i actually played with one uh with with a couple a while back after the move got announced down in uh st george out of copper rock of course i know you you enjoy jake and it's Mm -hmm. my favorite down there in st george but I was playing with him and asked him about it, and he thought that it sucked. And I said, do you know a lot of other UCLA fans? He said, yeah, friends with a lot of my buddies from college and whatnot. And we all we all think it sucks and, and, and that it stinks. And, you know, I think for Oregon and Washington, at the end of the day, they're going to come to terms with whatever's in the best interests of their athletic department. Um, there, there are some who, you know, just feel like they want to get out of the pack, but only because of the mismanagement, not because they – you know, want to leave behind the geography or the traditional rivalries or the history in the conference, but because they just want to be secure in knowing what their sports future is going to look like and that they're going to have to have a chance, uh, you know, competitively and financially to compete at a high level. Even with Colorado leaving, the PAC has a good foundation, especially with Washington, Oregon, Utah, that realistically – those are kind of the ones that have carried the conference over the past 13 years. Those are the ones that have won the most championships, at least in football, um, and just been more consistent players. Do you see any way for the Pac-12 or Pac-9 or whatever to to fix this, <laughs> hold it together, and still have a compelling conference? And if so, what what would those steps entail? Well, John Wilner, the Mercury News and the uh, Wilner Hotline show, he has said that media people that were, he said the other day on Paul Feinbaum's show that uh, media media people that are not in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 still think there's a deal out there to be had for the Pac-12. And 
I, I'm 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 just kind of done with words at this point. Like mm-hmm. I've been hearing that for a long time, but here we are, and we had another school jump. But to your point, it's not as if a conference powerhouse in Colorado has suddenly jumped. Like you, you could certainly frame this in a way. It wouldn't be an honest way of framing the argument. But if I wanted to be like a blindly pro Pac-12 homer. I'd say we don't need Colorado. It's not a loss. They stink at football. They did stink at football for a really, really long time. <laughs> they still kind of do stink. We don't know what, yeah. what the primary is going to look like. But to your point, go ahead. Yeah, but so they they were, you know, a bottom feeder in, in the conference. And so on the surface, you know, why does a bottom feeder leaving the conference affect it so much? It's not so much about that move, mm-hmm. but what the move could mean for others and the momentum it creates right. and the perception that it creates uh, for for the conference and such. But do I, you know, lament the loss of Colorado in a big way? Not particularly. I mean, they appeared in one conference championship game, and that's it. Um, they did not win it. They got housed by by Washington. And, you know, you, you made a great point, uh, set me up for the question, which is Oregon, Washington, Utah have kind of been the ones carrying your conference anyway. Like, for all the talk about and look, USC and UCLA, their losses. There's there's no mm-hmm. no way around that. But I think the perception of what it means for the quality of football or the depth of the teams in the league is overblown. What's not overblown is the impact on the media rights deal, the conference's future, the perception of it, and everything like that. But to say, oh, the conference is terrible now. You don't have USC, UCLA, and Colorado. They have one conference championship. Between them, the three in them. what, 12 years of the league's existence, they have one combined. And they've only appeared in a couple, like Colorado's appeared in one, UCLA's been in two, uh, I think USC has been in uh, three. One of them was the COVID year, which I don't count, even though my Ducks won it. Like, that didn't feel like a conference championship. So that was, you know, I, that, that narrative I don't think is popping up a ton right now. If the conference is able to stabilize, I think it will. Say, oh, without USC, UCLA, and Colorado. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? They, they have one title between them. Utah's won two in a row. They've been to each of the last four full-season Pac-12 football championships. Oregon's got three. Washington's got two. Stanford mm-hmm. has, got, has, has got the most Pac-12 championships of anybody in the conference. Now, it's a different world of college football. I understand that. But to say that these schools from a football, just a football standpoint, have been carrying the league for a long time is factually inaccurate. Spencer McLaughlin joining us, host of the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. And Spencer, uh, the, the biggest storyline with what's kind of laying out there for the Pac-12 is what the future is going to hold. And Michelle and I, earlier on in today's show, kind of came to an we both agree that the statement the Pac-12 put out said that we're going to get our media rights deal and then aggressively address expansion. feels like it's backwards. What do you think? Well, with regards to the statement that they're going to get the media rights deal done, what I keep coming back to is, you ever see that old cartoon where Lucy puts the football down for Charlie Brown? Yes, yes. Yeah, the Pac-12 is Lucy here, and people who think the deal is going to get done, you know, imminently, as they've been saying for a long time, they're all Charlie Brown because they just keep putting the football down. And, you know, months ago, this was in March. I remember this one a little little bit more clearly compared to some of the other storylines and everything that's all just kind of blending together. They, uh, there were comments from 
Pac-12 presidents and athletic directors that were indicating very clearly a media deal was about to get done because they were saying things like two weeks. They were Mm -hmm. saying things like end of the month. They were saying things like, yeah, this is going to wrap up. We're about to be done. And then when that didn't happen and it got bumped out to June, that's when I threw up my hand and said, look, I'm not going to run and run up and kick that football anymore until I can see that there's a robotic arm that is holding it like I had when I was a kicker in middle school, which is an uninteresting tidbit about me that everybody had to hear. So I, I, I just look at what, you know, they keep saying, and I'm like, I, get, give me a Marshawn Lynch quote here. I'm, I'm about that action, boss. Like wor- words mean absolutely nothing at, at, at this point in time. But to your point about them doing it backwards, I, I am perplexed why every other, every single other conference expands and then does media rights. I am unclear, and maybe it's a logistical or technical hurdle with whoever one of their media rights partners is. Perhaps Amazon or Apple is causing this to causing it to go this way. I don't know, but every other conference in America is able to expand and then get a deal done later. The Big Twelve announced their four new expansion teams, including. BYU with UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. They announced that, what, like a couple months after Texas and Oklahoma announced they were departing in July 2021? Like, and then the media deal, which ended up being just an extension of their previous deal with different teams factored in, to be fair, that got done October 2022. Mm-hmm. So the Pac-12s continued insisted, like, the SEC signed their deal after they announced Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten signed their deal after they announced USC, UCLA. I don't understand why when San Diego State and SMU have been your top options for so long, you can't announce them as schools and then go get your media rights deal done. And that, that, that's a question that you know calls into question what the deal could actually be, whether they're going to be able to actually get a deal. But all the reporting from legitimate reporters has been that they're capable of getting a deal. It's just a matter of finding the right deal, but they just keep doing this backwards. And their latest statement as a conference said that, you know, that's the way they want to do it. It's sign the media deal, grant of rights, and then expansion. And I, I just wonder if they had announced expansion first and then gone to get the media rights deal, if it hadn't create, if it hadn't, if it wouldn't have created enough momentum to stop schools from feeling like they had to leave the way that Colorado did. And then Arizona might. All right. Well, we will leave it right there. I think that's a good way to, to end it, Spencer. But, yes, uh, you and I need to get out on the golf course soon. Uh, we'll have to get down yeah. and maybe try out, you know, Black Desert or something like that. But uh, Hey, if you want to take me out to Black Desert, I got it on the radio right here. Jake's Treat, Black Desert. <laughs> I, well, let's just put it this way. I, we have some connections down there. We may be able to work in our favor. So we'll, we'll work on that. But, nonetheless, a big thank you for carving out some time to join us on, here on the Saturday show, and we'll do it again soon, all right? Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. And with regards to what you just said there at the end, you have my phone number. Uh, we, we, we'll, we'll take care of you. No problem. All right, there you go. Spencer McLaughlin, Locked On Pac-12 Podcast, as well as Locked On Ducks. Uh, I think he makes a very good point there. Like, it could have created some momentum. But could, it could have. Going back to our original conversation, you're just kind of sitting on hands yet again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, the Pac-12 needs to make a splash somehow. Yeah. Somehow, some way. And they had, uh, a, they had a way to do it, as Spencer points out. And now it's you're going to expand. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. The it and by splash I mean action. Yeah, there there needs too. to be action. 
The splash is the action. <laughs> it's an not, actionable step. Not yeah. words saying that eventually you might take some action. Yeah. yeah. Very good point. Done and over. Do something. <sighs> it's it's baffling. It, Honestly. It, it is. <laughs> it's baffling. It's exhausting. Obviously, I'm a little frustrated by this. All of us are. Let's be real. Come on. Like, guys, I just want to focus on the fun things, which is football games and the stories that come from that. I don't want to deal with this nonsense anymore. So just do something. Right or wrong, do something. And they're very close to running the risk of having everything that is accomplished on the field this season. Overshadowed. Completely overshadowed. Which it could be a really, really fun year. Let this linger. We we digress. Yeah. All right. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get to five minutes of. Got some other topics we need to hit on on today's show. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. By the way, your bump back music today, Christian, I haven't said this earlier. It's been elite. Well done, sir. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, one day we're actually going to have like actual rejoins for this show, but- until then, you can enjoy some great music. There'll be music involved with it anyways. But yeah. uh, Okay, Michelle, so time for five minutes. I need to cover some of the other topics out there in the college slash pro sports arenas out there. Uh, wanted to start off a uh, couple of notes in terms of the NFL real quick. Training camps are open. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert just got major money, $262.5 million. Uh, the guy that they expect to top him is Joe Burrow, and they're expecting that at some point here in the relatively near future. Well, like a day later, Joe Burrow goes and jacks up his calf. Oh, oh, Joe Burrow. He's got a calf strain. Uh, now, severity of it has not been listed. Uh, his coach, Zach Taylor, did say that he's going to be out several weeks, but several goes from anywhere between like three weeks and <laughs> so – I would say to about seven. It will, it'll be interesting. Like that—that's the thing about it is like he's going to still make the money. Like there's no doubt. Like Joe Burrow, outside of Patrick Mahomes, might be the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Now, Justin Herbert is not a bad quarterback. I—I I honestly feel like Herbert could lead the Chargers to some pretty special stuff. The problem is, I think he's got a head coach who doesn't understand in-game strategy, and has cost his team. But we'll see. We will see. I I never really was that enamored with Justin Herbert. Uh, well, but what, but what he showed at Oregon versus what he showed in the pros are like two is, very different It's very different. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly don't think his situation's been helped. We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I still have not been as hot on him as mm-hmm. others have been. But yeah, no the the situation with the Chargers definitely has not helped. You you have to have some pieces. Now, uh, you, I, I assume you saw this. Did you see that Aaron Rodgers signed a new deal with the Jets that he gave up? Is it thirty? It's thirty five million, right? Was, he had one hundred ten million in guarantees remaining on his deal that was traded with him from the Packers to the Jets. He signed a new deal. It's a fully guaranteed two year seventy five million dollar deal. Like I know you grew up a Packers fan. Mm-hmm. Does that make you feel any sort of way that he willingly gave back $35 million to the Jets? Now, I'm assuming there's going to be a makeup somewhere because you're not just, here, out of the goodness of my heart, please have $35 million back. But does that, does that irk you at all as a, as a, as a Packers fan? 
No, because I, 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 frankly, I'm probably one of the few, few and far between Packers fans that ended up not liking okay. him very much and Fair not enough. liking Brett Favre very much. Uh, they're they're great football players, but mm-hmm. outside of that, uh, and I, I kind of care about how you handle yourself outside of football too so well um he's an eccentric character let's just put that. yeah uh you know it'll be interesting to see i you're right i don't i don't think at all he's given that money back out of the goodness of his heart i i think the stipulation there is you're going to get me some pieces to work with this and uh i'm i'm going to have input since i gave you my money back he's already had input but yeah to your point yeah yes. it just further cements that hey pac 12 take some notes <laughs> like <laughs> i am the captain now yes yeah. um you know that's how you call some shots mm-hmm. just fyi well and that's the thing about this is it's gonna be interesting because the jets are going all in Mm-hmm. Like this is they are they are pushing chips into the middle of the table. Now they do have pieces like Quinn and Williams, who they just signed to a big money deal. He looks like th- outside of Aaron Donald, he may be the best defensive tackle in the league. Like and Aaron Donald's getting up there, and who knows how long Donald is going to keep going. They've got pieces that are young pieces, but when you bring in an Aaron Rodgers who's thirty nine, you're pushing chips in right now yeah. and saying we're chasing it. And, they had they they had a defense last year that was very very good. Now the offense really held them back, and a lot of that falls at the feet of the quarterback derby they had going on. Zach Wilson wasn't good enough. Now there are people saying in training camps already Zach Wilson looks like night and day different. Is that is that because of Aaron Rodgers? Is that because Zach is now in a less stressful position as the number two? Who knows? Yeah, there's pro- there's probably a combo of reasons there. I'm sure yeah. less stress helps. I think there's maybe a bit of oh crap, like oh yeah, I I, I done screwed this pooch, and there's some embarrassment there. I mean, yeah. you made a lot of money, mm-hmm. you were taken number two overall, you didn't perform like that at all. Um, you know, there's some expectations that come with that, and then you got benched for a guy that nobody's heard of, yeah, and now you're benched for I mean kind of an all-time great because you can't be trusted to do the job yeah like i mean that has to hurt and so if that lights a fire under his butt uh to you know start doing better and maybe living up to some of that potential then that's what it is but it also could be too little too late yeah no doubt it's nfl training camps are always funny to me because we actually get a so i think we have the NFL Hall of Fame game is a week from it was a week from Thursday I think is when that Hall of Fame game goes and all of a sudden we're gonna start obviously overreacting to preseason games which... totally totally because <laughs> we're rational well, people but we're so starved from actual like football action that it's like ah yes <laughs> oh my gosh the bottom feeder yeah. of the league they're gonna be great this year yeah probably not it's one of those Really, Probably not. Really weird deals. A uh, couple other notes here. Uh, Real Salt Lake is in the midst of their League's Cup run here. Now, uh, they took on Monterey, and I was on the call. They played their first their two group games uh, of this tournament. They smashed uh, Seattle last week. It was 3 nothing. They absolutely just dominated in every facet of the game. But then uh, Wednesday night, Monterey, one of the traditional giants of Liga MX, one of the best teams in Mexico, came to America first field and in the first 22 minutes absolutely handed it to RSL. I saw that. But 
and Christian, you were producing this game. RSL missed, I don't know, five, six really good looks on goal. They could have had, they could have scored. And not just missed, but like hit the crossbar. Yeah. They, like yeah. inches Chicho away. Chicho hit the crossbar. Um, Brian Vera had a header that he headed down so hard that it went off the turf and over the goal from about three yards away. I don't the 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 angle of that, like the whole yeah. physics of it, I'm like, how did how that did happen? Do that? Anyways, I yeah. dare you to do that again. So now RSL has to wait for Seattle and Monterey, who play tomorrow. And as long as uh, Seattle doesn't beat Monterey by four goals, RSL is moving on. We'll see where they play, who they play. It's looking like they're going to play Club Leon out of Liga MX. It'd be next Friday based on the early schedule I was told about. Mm-hmm. But the fun thing about this is it's I think that that game against Monterey, RSL had won 11 straight. They were 11, right. they won 11. They were unbeaten 11 straight uh since late May until losing to Monterey. Monterey is they're number 2 in their league right now down there in Mexico. I think it showed RSL okay, we're not necessarily that bad. We got beat 3 nothing. It doesn't yeah. look good on the scoreline, but the, the chances RSL generated in that show that okay, we can compete. The question is, can you actually win against yeah. the top of league mx yeah you know it's too bad that they don't give points for hitting the crossbar or <laughs> you know bouncing a ball yeah. after heading it over the goal like yeah. you know the, the those are some things like i said i dare you to do it again <laughs> yeah and it's just interesting like and it, this this whole tournament deal it's interesting because there's a lot of thought out there that Major League Soccer has gained ground on Liga MX as a, as a, just in terms of the overall league. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Lionel Messi is over there with Inter Miami scoring goals in bunches. Like I, I'm telling you, I, I expected this. Like people are either, it's bad for the league that Messi's doing what he's doing. I'm like, is it or is it that he is going to literally force Major League Soccer teams to actually upgrade their talent to be able to defend guys like him who want to come over here and play? I will tell you what my competitive hip hop teacher once said. Okay. So they're the my last year doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of let everybody into the top class. Okay, everybody got a gold star. You, 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 everybody yeah, got to in. be yeah. in advanced hip hop. Not yeah. everybody should have been in advanced hip hop. Let's just put it that way. Okay, there were like three or four of us that like were on it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else hot mess. Like I mean, we had to change very simple things. In order for them to look good. To accommodate because, them. Yeah. Because they couldn't. And there was one practice that we had where we had to critique each other. And one of the girls, I, it was like the four of us that were actually like on top of it, belonged in that class. Okay. Her critique was, they're going too hard and it doesn't look right. And the teacher <sighs> said, no, you need to match their energy. You got to catch up. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing in MLS. Like, it's... Why Why should you dumb the product down mm-hmm. when instead you should be upgrading? Yeah. Well, and that, that either means current people are putting in more work to get up to that level mm-hmm. or you go and you find that talent and you bring it in. Well, and that's going to be the interesting part. I, I think Real Salt Lake has proven that they're in the game now. They've spent a club record $14 million this transfer window with, by the way, more money coming. Uh, mm-hmm. They recently just signed another kid, a youth national team star. Uh, he's going to play for the Real Monarchs, their minor league team to start at least. But they're they're in it. Chicho Arango, if you by the way, and, and a, lot, a lot of people out there when I mention soccer, they're just I'm, I'm out. It's just it's, Chicho Arango is worth watching. Mm-hmm. Dude's awesome. Like Arcel has not had a guy of his caliber since Alvaro Sabarillo 
Well, when did Sabo leave? It's been decades. Yeah, you said it's been a while, which blew my mind. I thought he was. I thought well, that feels, was fairly recent. It, it, it feels like it though, but it, it's been a minute. So it's fun to see RSL actually back it have back in the games, so to say, and have money behind them. They 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 were kind of just treading water there for a long time yeah. with the whole we need to sell the club. New guys coming in, then you're getting their. You just it's good to have them on the right footing. Finally, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Uh, it's looking like they could play Club León, uh, like I mentioned, and that's another chance like to face off against a Mexican. And Mexico has far deeper rosters, overall money investment. Like it's just it, they've it, just worked on it way longer yeah. than we have in the U.S. Well, yeah, point major, blank. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> interesting, but it just. That's the thing about this is that I think Messi, yes, he is 36 years old. He is still maybe the greatest player in the world right now, and he is going to score lots of goals in Major League Soccer. I've got no doubt about that. Like, there's a there's a scenario here next month, Michelle, where RSL, if they beat Houston in that uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinal, and Inter-Miami with Messi goes to Cincinnati and wins, Real Salt Lake's hosting Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami in the U.S. Open Cup final at at America First Field. I want to say Rio Tinto Stadium. It's now America First Field. But that would be awesome. insane. Yeah. It would be insane. Can you imagine the ticket prices for that? (laughs) Hello, Oakland A's. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't even have to, like, you don't have to purposely price them high. Yeah, it's not not to, like, try and thwart a a, a protest. (laughs) One of those weird things. But, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I, I am interested to see. It's fun to have RSL back just competing. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, like early on, I mean, like right out of the gate, once Real Salt Lake was even a thing here, mm-hmm. they were competing. They won that title um, in 09. You know, so it, it kind of was really disappointing when they when they took that nosedive. And of course, we all know that sports are cyclical yes. uh, and people have their moments and mm-hmm. then. You know, some take a bigger nosedive than others, but like, you know, not everybody stays on top for forever. Like, that's just impossible. Yeah. But I think it was a little bit disappointing to see kind of how far down Real Salt Lake fell. And hopefully they're on the rebound again. Yeah, you, fun to see them climb. All right, uh, we will come back on the other side, finish out this edition of the Saturday show with some final thoughts. It's all coming up next right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. And Clinto Pete says this, Michelle. Uh, nice flex by Michelle by Bodkin KSL Sports, though. I got skills, yo. Uh, talking about your, your... I got no doubt you have skills. I did have skills. I probably... I probably look like one of those embarrassing moms now, quite <laughs> frankly. Even, even though I don't have kids. Okay, here's the thing. No, 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 no. You... But I'm old enough to be someone's mom. Hey, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> That's a whole other element to this. But here's the thing. You did it for such a long time. I I've did. got no doubt that you'd be far more advanced than most people in that circumstance. Because you you have the background in it. Even, even though you haven't done it a lot since, you'd still at least you have the baseline there. Here's the thing. I like like I I got a late start on dance compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the people that I was with. Got it. I still ended up making advanced classes. 
Um, so I caught up there. The the flexibility thing was really kind of the thing that I don't think I excelled very well at because I didn't start super young. Sure. Um, so a lot of people had that on me, but as far as picking up and learning choreography, easy, (laughs) so easy being able to count easy. Now don't ask me to add. That's a whole other story. Like can't do that very well, but I can count. Uh, All right. But so it's one of those things. I never was a really good freestyler in okay. any like I I can't go out there and like dance around and make it look good. But if you teach me choreography, I will make that look good. All right, there you go. Hey, I I, I mad respect for it because trust me, <laughs> any of that, not my jam. I am I am your like the whitest of white boys over here. I I, I will hold. I can't even dance to that, Michelle. I'm I am awful in that in that realm. So mad respect you got it. <laughs> She's doing dance moves. This is what we need to, this is what we need like the live stream that they're considering putting in here at some point. That's what we need it for, no doubt about that. Clown show. Clown but, show. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, but uh good stuff and all the same. All right, Michelle, any final thoughts from you as we wrap things up here? Pack twelve, do something. That, that's what I, that's right. what I got. Right. That's yeah. what I got. Yeah. Well, and do something or die. Like that's I, that's where we're at. As far as far as unless y'all know something that like you just really have not let any of us know, that's where we're at. At this point, it feels like George Klyovkov maybe has like the biggest ace up his sleeve of anybody in conference realignment history. Or to your point, and it, it's hard to say that like do something or die, but those really feel like. It's going one of two ways here. Like either you're and uh, Stuart Mandel uh, tweeted this out, and I'm, I'm going to read it real quick on the way out the door. Just one dynamic of play, and it's something that we've talked about today. One dynamic of play regarding the Pac-12. Their presidents have long been the most ivory tower. They've passed on schools, Boise State, the entire Big Twelve that would have helped them. Do they grasp the urgency this time? Th- this round of expansion is not about prestige; it's about survival. You, you okay, and we all know that the Pac twelve, they've always said you need to be AAU member. You need to be a research tier one institution. Like all that's out the window at this point. Get who you can get and just live to fight another day, really. Here's the thing. Every conference has their bottom feeders. Yes. You have a great core. Uh-huh. You despite the departures, you have a great core. And you have some other teams with great potential. Mm-hmm. Just get some bottom feeders to to fill fill out, flush out. Maybe they'll maybe they'll rise up. Maybe they won't. Not your problem. Yeah. But keep it together. Live to fight another day. That, that, literally, that, it's all you've got to focus on right now. This next week should be interesting because we'll start to see some reporting coming out. I'm sure of some variety. I mean, they better say something. <laughs> they, like literally, they better say something. They've got to, no doubt. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Saturday Show. So for Michelle, I'm Jake, and for Christian, thank you for tuning in. Join us again next week. This has been the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, 
the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.